great faith is only seen in the fire. When a person is in a place where he feels he could be spending his last few days on earth, the doctors have no answers and people don't know what to say because they can't relate. It can be a hard place, yet every day that we are alive has a purpose in it. People will think about the memories, about those they love, and will worry and even grieve. But there can be a much higher purpose. There is a faith that runs after healing and desperately attempts to cling to this world. Then there is a much higher faith that brings relief without any possibility of failure. It is the faith to experience Jesus' life right now, and it carries with it the purpose of showing everyone around you one more time that Jesus is peace and victory over every enemy of joy. This may be the last Life Journeys podcast will produce. Time will tell. But the message it brings may be the one that is closest to Pastor Hardika's heart. The present reward of a living faith in Jesus is the very definition of life, and it carries a victory that even death itself cannot defeat. My wife and I had a talk this morning about finding purpose in the hardest of times. She'll be going to the cemetery today to say farewell to her beloved sister. However, I won't be joining the family because, well, I'll be honest with you, I'm too weak to make the trip. In times like these, that may be the end times for me. Apart from the very real hope of healing, there is a much greater and rewarding faith that is carrying the day. In this I find the distinct pleasure in saying, I am not depressed, nor do I feel hopeless or afraid. I saw a simple post on Facebook yesterday that said, Jesus is our peace. It struck my heart as so meaningful. It meant that my peace is not found in getting my way. It's not in having the things that I want, nor is it being able to do all the things that need doing around the house. My peace is not enduring a hard week at work because I know vacation is coming, nor is peace having all the answers to the question, why? Jesus himself is peace. If I have him, fellowship with him, believe that he has taken away all my sins and made me like him within, then my life is at peace. Paul wrote to the Colossian church from a prison cell in a sewer's holding tank near the Colosseum in Rome. I've been there several times. I felt it, saw it, heard it, almost tasted it. Paul spoke to the Colossian church about who Jesus was as the creator of all things, and that they were created for him, and that by him all things consist and are sustained. Chained to a prison guard, he was living in such victory that he would write in another letter that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So powerful was his sense of presence as one created in the image and the glory of God that those soldiers beheld his dignity and peace. They saw the power of Christ in this man who could not be imprisoned within, though he was chained without. It was as if Paul had no reason for sorrow or despair at all, no right even to feel hopeless or be filled with self-pity. 
he was a free man. His body was limited, but he wasn't. Paul's eyes beheld filth, darkness, and decay. As he wrote on this little rock ledge in this sewer hole, next to him was a pedestal that it is said was used to behead him. Yet what he interpreted with his eyes of faith was majesty, honor, power, and joy. This was faith. To see clearly with the eyes, to not deny where his body was, yet to triumph because he knew that he was no more a prisoner of Rome than was Jesus himself. I see where I am, but this does not define who I am or what my countenance shall reflect, he could say. When the soldiers would look at Paul, they would see a man with the same confidence, authority, and peace that the Caesar himself had, yet even so much more. It was Paul's power coming through his skin from the depths of his heart that revealed true glory. He reflected the glory of God, not the futility of the human condition. This, too, was faith, not a faith for his physical deliverance, His was a much higher faith. It set his soul free so that his mind and body would not yield to their external senses and compel him to sin. This is the true victory of faith that overcomes the world when Christian with a capital C is in a real place of tribulation. His life is above. His hope is sure. His purpose is clear. He cannot be stopped, silenced, or defeated, for he is already dead and his life is hidden with God. He who would attempt to take his true life must have the power to come to the throne of God and wrestle the life that Jesus died for out of his grip, and no man without the atoning blood of Jesus upon his soul could come within a hundred thousand miles of the glory of the throne. Yet Paul lived here already. This was the real reflection of the preeminence of Christ that he wrote of. That in all things Jesus might have the preeminence, he says. That means the preeminence on the football field, in the classroom, the doctor's office, the courtrooms, the halls of Congress, the living rooms of America, where no law need be made to mandate it, but the hearts of each man in each place would just give the glory and honor to God for all that is presented before them, whether it be at law, entertainment, rest, refreshment, in learning, or in sickness, prison, or the hospice chamber. All things created are being drawn to Him, and they will present themselves before Him, either to be accepted in Him or to be cast away forever, as those not willing to be included in the bosom of our Creator. Thus, hell is the only place that will exist outside of Christ. It is the place left that will not have the sustaining power of Jesus. Why is hell so awful? It is the place where God is allowed to not reign. It is the essence of atheism, the stark contrast between the preeminence of Christ and the insignificance of Satan. There are things that can't be learned in the classroom, on the couch, or in the pew. There are things of this life in Christ that usually are never known beyond a surface understanding until we are in a place of great affliction. Death may seem imminent because of war, disaster, disease, or crime. 
And until this earthly life is exposed for how frail, fleeting, and powerless it is, the human soul cannot fully know the power of Christ's victory. Upon the soil of enemy ground is where we will find the greatest heights of faith. Never despise the smallness of your faith, though it seems like the smallest of seeds. Nor should you attempt to accomplish what that seed can do until it first be planted, cultivated, watered, and given ample time to grow. Otherwise, you'll throw it out. Nurture that small seed that looks up at the giants of opposition all around it and treasure it until the time that the Father calls it forth. Too often we try to climb the tree that that seed shall one day be and forsake it because we did not understand the season of growth that is in it. I know that I have often failed. Then I have tried to make it right to preserve my ego. I heard a man say that ego is the anesthesia we use to deaden the pain of stupidity. I think we use it to deaden the pain of being human. Paul would go on to say of Jesus that he has reconciled all things to himself through the blood of the cross. Only that which is found in him will be accepted in heaven. Adding up the pluses and minuses and trying to think that we've been a pretty good person will hold no weight in heaven. Only what is in Christ will. And then, then, all you are is who Jesus is. Paul begins a theme in this chapter that the purpose of God here is to be presented with Christ in glory at his appearing. Here is our motivation to keep on in faith. Faith is not merely to receive something here, but to be prepared to stand with him at his appearing. I ask myself, what is my purpose during these days? Only what I can take with me will matter. We can take our works of love, moments of patience, seasons of overcoming as the hot blast of pain, sorrow, and anger hits us full on in the face. That empty feeling of uselessness you may feel in your weakness has a gold mine in it. You can pull the very glory of God out of that demonic mess that is clutching your throat. That darkness that empties your body's vitality has hidden behind it your soul's embrace of the life of Jesus. When you pull your hope, your faith, and your commitment to love out of that dark cave, that is the fruit of who Jesus is in you, and you will take that to heaven, and it will shine forth the glory of Christ's strength to all who might have the great privilege of seeing it while you yet remain. That treasure you hold on to with all your heart as the snares and thorns of this life try to wrestle it from you will be taken with you to heaven where Christ will present you holy and without blame. You will have robbed the glory from the devil's hands. will have hold of something that cannot be taken. Though your hands shake, your legs can't carry you, and your heart has no more stamina to invigorate your earthly pursuits. For who you are is not your tired, aching, pain-racked body. All the good memories, the fun times, the satisfying places, and the hugs are great sentiment that reflects the blessings you've had, but they too are fleeting. There awaits a time and a place where memories will not need to exist, for memories are a function of time. 
Your life will no longer be one of trying to get a memory back to enjoy it, nor a thing to tide you over in a dark time. Every day will be existence marked by ever-flowing blessing, joy, warmth, love, and peaceful acceptance. Your soul will be so full that there will be no place for longing to linger. And memories are merely a lingering reflection of past blessings wished for. You are taking with you the building blocks of your eternal life, the things that have united you with Christ, all that is within you that has glorified Jesus. He's not going to pick through your mess when you get there. Only what has been found in Christ will make the trip. The rest of the baggage will be left behind. Learn to live for Jesus, for he lives for you. Only what is of him is worth fighting for and is worthy to be embraced. Men, Paul tells us that you are the image and the glory of God. Ladies, you are the glory of your husbands. Men, that means that whatever she is and becomes, you are responsible to give her the glory of God that she has the power and the honor of heaven upon her. May all that you treasure be found in Jesus. That's a father's way of saying, sons, take care of my daughters. <laughs>